Episode 304, October 26th, 2017. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by the all-new XJTalk.com. Are you an owner of a real Cherokee? If you own an XJ and are looking for the world's most premier website for tech, how-tos, and more for your XJ, head over to the all-new XJTalk.com for all the best info. And, of course, never any flaming or trash talking. We'll see you there. Here's one for all the classic Jeep owners out there. A name that many of you aren't familiar with holds the title as the world's leading rating company when it comes to placing value on collectors' cars and more. The job of Haggerty Vehicle Rating is to track vehicle performance related to the classic car and truck market and its inherent depreciation and appreciation. The vehicles above the 50th position in the rankings are appreciating faster than average according to the rating system this year. This is good news for some of us classic Jeep owners out there. The list released as we record this featured the 76 through 86 Jeep CJ7 in the number 5 spot. The 81 through 86 CJ8 Scrambler found itself at number 11, and down at number 23 was the 46 through 49 CJ2A. If you have any of these Jeeps and would like to know what they might be worth nowadays, well, head over to www.haggerty.com and click valuations to find out more. Well, who's making a bid for Jeep now? While talk of Chinese suitors for Fiat Chrysler automobiles has quieted, two other Asian companies are rising as candidates to either take it over or buy its brands. South Korean press reports have it that Hyundai is looking to acquire FCA. Meanwhile, Bloomberg says that Jaguar Land Rover is scouting for acquisitions of international automakers and suggests that certain FCA brands seem like a natural fit. Product lineups would appear to match up nicely in both cases. Hyundai is a car-heavy and somewhat SUV-poor company, while FCA is, frankly, just the opposite. A Jag Land Rover FCA tie-up would bring together the world's two foremost off-road brands, Jeep and Land Rover. But the British automaker may be more interested in expanding its luxury brandscape. And indeed, FCA CEO Sergio Marchione has recently publicly entertained the topic of spinning off Maserati and Alfa Romeo. At this time, however, neither Hyundai nor Jaguar Land Rover are commenting on the reports. Well, the latest in the Jeep gas tank lawsuit has taken an interesting turn. Remington Remy Walden died in 2012 after a Jeep Grand Cherokee he was riding in was hit from behind and burst into flames. The boy's parents sued, arguing that the rear-mounted fuel tank located behind the rear axle was too vulnerable in a crash and amounted to reckless disregard for human life by the manufacturer. The company called Chrysler Group at the time said the crash was caused by a reckless pickup truck driver who hit the Jeep at high speed. Fiat Chrysler maintained that the Jeep's fuel system met federal safety standards and did not pose an unreasonable safety risk. A jury in 2015, however, awarded $150 million to Remy's family, $120 million for wrongful death, and $30 million for pain and suffering. FCA asked the Decatur County Superior Court judge for a new trial, but he denied it on the condition that the parents accept $30 million in wrongful death damages and $10 million in pain and suffering damages for a total of $40 million, which we heard was reported as the settlement just last year. Now, the parents agreed to that amount, but FCA, of course, appealed, claiming the judge abused his judicial discretion. 
Georgia Court of Appeals in November 2016 rejected that appeal. Fiat Chrysler then appealed that ruling to the Georgia Supreme Court, which heard arguments this last Tuesday in a special session at the University of Georgia's Law School in Athens. Now, at least 75 people have died in post-crash fires involving several Jeep models with rear-mounted gas tanks. The problem led to the recall of 1.56 million Grand Cherokees and Liberties to install trailer hitches to protect the tanks in low-speed crashes. So what will become of this latest appeal is anyone's guess at this point, but make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jeep Talk Show for all the latest in this story and other Jeep news from around the world. In the meantime, if you guys have something you think we should be reporting on or you have a response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know. Send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. What a horrible situation. I mean, uh, anytime anybody loses their life, it's it's horrible, and especially when it's a child with uh, so many years oh, yeah. uh, you know, coming up. But uh, with that so said, sad. yeah, with that said, I, I still maintain that you have a certain amount of responsibility whenever you choose to go outside or drive a car or anything like that. And I, I got to say, if you're not going to put the gas tank uh, in the rear underneath the vehicle, where are you going to put it? Uh, up in the engine compartment, uh, in the passenger cabin, uh, on top of the vehicle, uh, gas is flammable, and uh, there's it, it, you're going to have situations like this. I mean, I you know with all the safety innovations with airbags, side of curtain airbags, yada yada yada, why hasn't anybody done a, a, a fire extinguisher system that just would envelop the inside of the vehicle? And uh, I, I guess that you wouldn't be able to get rid of the accelerant, but at least give a little more time for the people to get out. Yeah. Kind of I mean, like um, the, the, you know, your sprinklers in your buildings. Yeah. I mean, drag similar. racers have a, a handle inside their uh, cockpit, I believe where they can pull that T handle and uh, dump a bunch of foam and stuff on the engine. Cause you know, they're driving down the, uh, the strip at 300 miles an hour or whatever it is. And all those flames are coming back at them. They need something. So I don't know why, why people haven't uh, manufacturers haven't gone that direction. Yeah, that would definitely be a feat of engineering, uh, at least as far as you know automotive safety goes. But uh, the implementation across multiple vehicle platforms and and sizes and everything would uh, would definitely be a daunting task engineering wise. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Tony, that's a that's a great idea. Well, I mean, when you see a child uh, lose their life like this, crazy ideas sometimes uh, become good ideas. Right. Free bubble wrap with every new vehicle purchase. You guys remember Demolition Man where uh, uh, Rocky Balboa <laughs> goes off and he hits the uh, crashes and the whole thing fills with foam. And he's oh, like, what the right. hell's going on? And he breaks himself <laughs> out of the foam. I can't remember his name. What's his name? I mean, he's not, it's not Rocky, Rocky Balboa, obviously. Stallone. Demolition Man. Yeah, Demo Man. That was a funny movie. Um, well, hey guys, coming up later in the show, Tammy's got the lowdown on some must-have gear for your Jeep adventures. And later, we've got Coralie from Seattle talking about the world-famous Rebel Rally. Oh, that sounds interesting. Um, so, I wonder if it's anything like the Gumball Rally. Ah, that would be pretty cool. Uh, gumball Run. <laughs> yeah, oh, minus Burt Reynolds. Yeah, and the Gumball yeah. Rally. You, don't, you, don't, you remember the Gumball Rally, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I think they still do that. No, but I mean, there was a movie that was... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, there was, uh, it was a couple of them. That was pre-Cannonball Run, I believe. Anyway, we'll reminisce about uh, movies here while you guys listen to Nate from Wrangler Extreme. This is going to be part two of Jeeping with Kids. This has to do with myths. Did I say that right? I got a lisp tonight. Yes, kid, kids don't yes. bounce off the dashboard as, as easily as <laughs> right. you thought they would. I just, just want to set the record straight. You know. <laughs> they should be tied down with all other uh, with tie, tie wraps and everything else. <laughs> 
Daddy, the hey Gapers, it's Nate too with another again. edition of Wrangler Extreme. I've run across plenty of myths in my years out on the trails. Tonight, we're going to talk about the safety myths where kids are concerned. When I was younger, a friend of mine had a kid young. We both had Jeeps, and I'd bought into the myth that off-roading was inherently unsafe for kids. He took his little girl out on the trails when she was still in diapers. I thought it was unsafe. It wasn't until I had my own kids that I started to rethink that opinion. First, lots of folks think that the Jeep Wrangler is an unsafe vehicle. The old rollover myth seems to haunt the brand to this day. If you're driving around a narrow track CJ5 with 8 inches of lift, then sure, maybe. But face it, every Wrangler made in the past 20 years has had to endure the same safety testing that, uh, that all other vehicles in, of, that, of whatever era your Jeep was made had to. They're just as safe as the nut behind the wheel. Another big myth is that off-roading is somehow unsafe in general. Simply by somehow taking your vehicle off the regulated, maintained, and paved roads, you're immediately at risk of a rollover. Yeah, I've actually seen people online that think that every time you hit the trails, you're almost guaranteed to have someone in your group on their lid. Where the heck do these myths even come from? Is it all the sensationalized videos we see on the internet? Is it all the uh, the folks who lose their brakes coming down lion's back? Is it all the rollover videos you see on YouTube that are so popular? I don't know. The bottom line in both of these cases is that your Jeep is as safe as you make it. If your toddler is in the vehicle, adjust your driving accordingly. I've happily resigned myself to the fact that I'll likely be hitting greens and blues for the next several years until my kids are older, or at least when they're in the vehicle. And you know what? I'm having a blast enjoying these easier trails with my kids and helping the less experienced that I run into along the way. As responsible adults and responsible Jeepers, it's our job to show the world that Jeeping is not unsafe. So, happily, take your kids, do it safely, make sure that no one gets hurt, and you don't end up in one of these fantastic YouTube videos. Alright, that's it for tonight. I hope this was enlightening for you guys, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Who is this man? You know, it's funny because I was the same way. My husband wanted to, to get a Jeep when my boys were younger, and I'm like, oh, I can't get a Jeep with young kids. And I'm like kicking myself now. Yeah. It's like there's, this, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And if you wheel with me, you're completely safe because I wheel at about one miles per well, hour. Well, not with children, not with that foul mouth of yours. Well, actually, I was really good. I only swore four times this last time I was out. But that was in your sleep, right? While you were at the yeah. hotel? <laughs> no, I, will say and that I didn't Nate, even drop the F-bomb. Ah, excellent. I will say that Nate brings up several good points um, and, and, you know, putting to rest some of these myths and whatnot. I, I will add a couple of things to this really quickly in that just about every major city out there, just about every town has got some sort of an off-road club. It may not mm -hmm. be a Jeep club, but it is an off-road club. And these are great avenues to get involved with other parents out there who are also off-road enthusiasts who are also looking for other parents out there who mm -hmm. have kids that want to take them wheeling and stuff like that. It's a great way to meet other families and, and, and get involved in family-friendly off-road events and stuff like that. And so if you are sort of new to the off-roading or maybe are a veteran off-roader and new to the whole family thing, check out some of your local clubs. Get involved in the local off-road scene. And uh, I think you'll find out that uh, off more oftentimes than not, they're all very family-friendly. They've got some great family-oriented uh, events that happen every year. And it's just a great avenue to to just expand getting your family involved with, with the off-road sport. 
Yeah, and you can also, uh, I know sometimes you don't want to ask questions because of, of being uh, fearful of teasing or whatnot, but you can also learn a lot of things just by watching the uh, the parents out there that have been out there you know, longer than you have. So uh, take it easy, be safe with your kids, and uh, keep an eye on them, uh, I think is the most critical thing, is uh, make sure you watch them at all times, those crazy little critters. Especially when you're out watching everybody else run the obstacles. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Well, what is the Radio Network? The 4x4 Radio Network is your one-stop shop for all of your off-road podcasting needs, guys. If you are looking for more off-road audio, you're looking for more podcasts about off-road topics, well, the 4x4 Radio Network has them all. Go over, Head over to 4x4radionetwork.com right now, and you can learn more about the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, the Trail Chasers podcast. Of course, you can find us there, too, and it's all free. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. <laughs> shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Hey, everyone. So I know I told you last week I was going to Roush Creek this past weekend for the fifth annual Women's Wheeling Day. And this was my fourth time at this event. And oh, my goodness, this event has grown so much. Um, the first year there were eight women wheeling. Um, this year there were around 200, and it was awesome, empowering, amazing. There were so many women there who never wheeled before, and they got out on these trails and they had a blast. And every year these new women keep coming back, and it's it's so fun to watch. And this year, um, I wheeled blue trails, which was so exciting, um, and. I got to wheel with some amazing women, um, really, really cool Jeep girls. And one of them, her name is Joe Marie. And you know how um, we're going to be talking to Coralie, who was in the Rebel Rally. Well, Joe Marie was in the Gazelle Rally, which is the same type of race, but in the deserts of southern Morocco. So oh, it's, wow. yeah, she was absolutely amazing she's also a photojournalist and took some really really cool pictures of me in my jeep which they're um all over my social media right now um but anyway while i was out on the trails having a good time my friend amanda came with me um i got to test out that yeti and yes i did i banged it a couple of times and it was like nothing so it held up really well however um we had to, afterwards, I realized I got a little trail damage because the drag link and the steering stabilizer, when I was flexing a certain way, we don't know which way yet, it dinged my steering stabilizer. So I'm just going to have to keep my eye on it to make sure it's not leaking again and I'll have to get a new one. Um, so we adjusted the brackets a little bit because um, I think when I flexed, one of the bracket bolts dinged into my steering stabilizer. And the other thing is, um, and I did stop by Adrenaline Off-Road afterwards and um, had them look at it, but I smell gear oil. And they, Jeff and um, Mike smelled gear oil. We were, you know, touching all this stuff and we, we just couldn't figure out where it's coming from. It doesn't look like there's anything leaking. Jeff even showed me where I could look where 
um, it vents out. And so I'm just kind of crossing my fingers that, I don't know, something bad didn't happen. But everything's going fine. So um, anyway, while I was out there, I also met uh, some folks from um, Wheelers LLC. And I've signed myself up for a Wheelers Overland Adventure. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm hoping maybe Nate's listening right now because it's going to be up in Nate's neck of the wood at AOAA. um, And it's in May. So anyway, I'll keep you guys posted on my gear oil smell. And maybe if some of you out there have any suggestions on what maybe it is. um, And it's coming from my driver's side tire area. So, um, anyway. Okay. Well, you know where, you know where it's coming from. I was going to say they make, um, this, uh, scented gear oil so that oh, whenever you have a leak that you can tell uh-huh. if it's coming from the front or rear diff or that area. But, uh, you I know you recently replaced the, the, the cover, so you don't want right. to do that right now. Uh, unfortunately they both, one of them smells like a dead possum. The other one smells like a uh, skunk. So uh, that, that would not be good. <laughs> Josh, play along with me, Josh. You're going, oh, my God. Uh, I, thought going, I thought you were going the pumpkin spice route. I'd, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, that would have been a better one to do, especially this time of year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Folks, coming up later in the show, we're going to wrap up our three-part segment about lockers, not the kind that you put your books in. <laughs> Did you guys yeah, see the exactly. meme where the, the guy says, I don't know what you guys are giving me grief about on the uh, the light bars, uh, lockers before light bars, but I checked. I got four lockers in my Jeep, one on each door, and they're automatic. If you guys are looking for a source of Jeep tech info, how-tos, and a gathering of fellow like-minded Jeepers, well, you guys got to check out the forum, jeeptalkforum.com. Once there, you guys can engage with other Jeepers, other fans of the show. You can get questions, get answers to your build questions. You can check out Show and Shine and Off-Road Picks, read about events, modifications. We've even got some sections up there of some written transcripts right from segments right here on the Jeep Talk Show. And if you're worried about how you're going to be treated, nah, there's no flaming, no making fun, and of course, no such thing as a stupid question. Whether you're brand new to the Jeep world or you're on your seventh Jeep, well, there's something for every Jeeper over at JeepTalkForum.com. You know, somebody's throwing down the gauntlet with his name. This is a made-up name just to trip us up, I believe. You think? <laughs> Talking about reviews, folks, we've uh, got a, a nice here re- iTunes review, and we have to let Josh attempt this name. He's got a questioning look on his face if you're uh, watching on YouTube. Like you see what I'm saying? Six different ways you could read this. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody did yeah. this on purpose. Uh, <laughs> Tio Nebtim. Oh, excellent. Tio Nebtim. Yeah, I, I'm thinking T1 Bantam. Yeah, Bandom, uh, I'd kind of go in that direction too. But anyway, it, yeah. what's important is the uh, is the number of stars. Oh, yeah. He gave us a five-star review. Says, great stuff, guys. Just the noise I needed at work. <laughs> Everyone's probably blah, tired blah, of hearing blah, me blab blah, blah. about Jeeps. So this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good review right there. Just so, the noise you. I needed. Yeah, because we know how it is at work. It, uh, some of the noise that uh, goes on there may be subtle, but... Uh, oh, see, we're called noise irritating. this week. Uh, last week, we were called a circus, weren't we? And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's next week? All right, four-letter words. Ready, oh, go. The, the, <laughs> the, the bears are riding bicycles will be up pretty soon here on the Nikki G segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you guys want to leave us a review, leave us a comment. You guys can do that on a number of places. 
Uh, Facebook, you can always leave us a review there. Of course, you can find us on iTunes and leave us a review and a comment there. And we always read the comments live on the air. You got some constructive criticism for us? By all means, take us to task, and we are going to read that stuff yes. on the air and make the necessary changes if needed. Of course, if you guys just want to give us a pat on the back, we'll always take those. And uh, you guys can do that a number of ways. Like I said, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Uh, of course, you can leave a comment over on our YouTube channel. Just search for Jeep Talk Show through Google, and you guys can find us in a number of places and a number of ways to leave us a message. We like the good and bad, and especially when it's bad about Tammy. Oh, Tony. You got tech questions? Oh, it's never bad about answer. Tammy. We have answers. <laughs> oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Well, like Tammy had mentioned earlier, we're going to wrap up. This is going to be part three of three of our pumpkin talk. Over the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about pumpkins. No, not the kind that get chucked, catapulted, thrown, carved, or made into delicious pies. We are, of course, talking about differentials and the traction devices that go inside of them. We've learned about the different types of differentials, what they're good for and what they're not good for. And we've learned about the different kinds of traction devices out there called lockers. We've even talked about how they work and what they do, but we've only scratched the surface of this particular topic. Today, we're going to wrap up our pumpkin talk. We're going to get a little deeper into what they're used for, the pros and cons of the different types of lockers, and, and even get into the different types of things that you'll want to take into consideration when shopping for a traction device. Okay, what are lockers used for? There are millions of situations out there where having additional traction would make all the difference in the world. A locker could even save your life. Did you know that? Although some traction devices like the limited slip differential can be used on-road, Lockers are most useful in situations like wheeling in mud, sand, snow, rock crawling, self-recovery, and the recovery of others, basically when you're off-road. In rock crawling, you are likely to have a lot of changes in traction between different rocks and angles and positions and all that sort of stuff, so it's possible the wrong wheel could start spinning. And in places like Moab or in treacherous mountain switchback trails or even in the winter on some of your local trails, having wheel spin could mean the difference between making it and rolling over, or even worse. Another possible situation in rock crawling is if your Wrangler doesn't have enough articulation, causing a wheel to lift off the ground. Well, that wheel get they're still on the ground will get power and pull you out of that situation. If not, well, you could be stacking rocks or pulling cable. Lockers are designed to give you more traction when you need it, whether you are off-road or just pulling a friend out of a ditch. When your Jeep is in deep mud, loose sand, having the extra traction means you don't have to make it up for the lack of traction by adding more skinny pedal. When in doubt, throttling out isn't always the best option. Okay, let's talk about the pros and cons of some of the other different types of lockers out there. Automatic lockers like Laka lockers, Spartan lockers, Aussie lockers, and more, uh, they are always ready when you need them. A lot of pros here. They're quicker uh, to, and, and have an easier installation. Uh, they're cheaper than most other you know, lockers like spools and, and air or cable lockers. Unfortunately, their on-road handling is impacted by the added resistance on sharp turns. Remember that clicking noise that we talked about in a couple of episodes back? Well, in stream, extreme cases, there's the possibility of tire skipping when cornering. But this is rare in lunchbox, lunchbox lockers like these. If installed in the front axle, they can impact handling in the snow or ice, causing the Jeep to push through turns in some cases. This is also forces you to think about how you're driving, as they are always engaged until you let your foot off the throttle. You're definitely going to have to change some of your driving techniques on roads, and a lot of people will consider that a con. Well, selectable lockers like aux lockers, ARB, any of the e-lockers, and more act like a normal open differential when disengaged, and that's a good thing. You won't even know it's there. Precise control over when it's activated is entirely up to you, meaning there's no surprises and no dependency on throttle. 
Oftentimes, they're even more reliable than cheaper automatic lockers. I mean, this kind of falls into the you-get-what-you-pay-for category. Some of the cons of selectable lockers are that they can cause some serious damage to your differential if you forget to disable them before driving over dry pavement or cement. They are more complicated to install. The installation process oftentimes requires a professional. And they are typically more expensive than some of the other lesser brands as well. There are more components to fail since these are typically more complicated mechanical devices. And for some people, the having to choose when to activate them and the process of doing so by flipping a switch or pulling a lever is just too much when off-road. Okay, now that we have a firm grasp on what the differentials are, how they work, and the things that we can add to them to make our Jeeps perform better off-road, let's get into the selection process. Budget is going to have a lot to do with it, guys. Unless you are a highly skilled mechanic who has all the dial indicators, presses, setup bearings, and marking compounds, and the know-how to use them all and to install and adjust differentials and their traction devices, labor to have these installed by a shop is relatively expensive. Take into consideration an ARB locker, for instance. It's generally going to run you anywhere from about $800 on up. And yes, they do get expensive. And we haven't even talked about the installation yet. There's also the consideration of gears. Many locker types require you to replace the carrier, the part inside the differential that holds the larger ring gear. And it's usually in the best interest of the vehicle owner to address the issue of regearing to match the tire size while doing the locker installation. You know, the whole while you're in there sort of thing. Most gear sets start at around three or four hundred bucks, and again, we haven't even talked about labor yet. It's easy to rack up a big shop bill when talking about adding lockers and or gears to the Jeep. On the high end, you could roll into you could be into this well over a thousand dollars per axle very easily. But don't let that scare you away from traction devices, folks. Their benefit of uh, their benefit off road and in emergency situations far exceeds the cost. It's a great investment. All right, let's talk about which one is going to be right for you. Which traction device? is going to be best for your Jeep. Aside from budget constraints, you have to be honest with yourself about how you use your Jeep. If you're a weekend warrior who hits the rocks, mud, and trails every weekend, then a selectable locker is probably going to be the best thing for you, giving you the control that you need over a variety of terrains. But if, you're, if your Jeep only sees gravel roads maybe a few times a year or never sees trail use or maybe is only put in a four-wheel drive when the snow comes or when you're heading to the ski resort, then a selectable locker might be an option for you too. However, a limited slip differential would likely be best suited for your needs. Now, if you have a dedicated trail rig or a wheel exclusively in mud or sand, then a spool would likely be the best option for you. Now, there's nothing that says you can't combine any of these devices either. In fact, that's a very common practice. Running a selectable locker in the front gives you the ultimate control, while a spool or automatic locker in the rear means you don't have to think about it. Which axle you give the traction treatment to first really doesn't matter, but most people opt for the rear as it provides the best traction under most circumstances. All right, Jeepers, if you have a question about Jeep tech, mods, electrical, or anything Jeep-related, or maybe you just need some advice on a build, well, shoot me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com with the subject line Tech Talk, and I'll answer your question directly here on the air, and I may even select your question to air on the show. All right, let's see Let's see how this, uh, this goes over. Um, I have a pair of lockers. They are not installed. I have never wheeled with lockers. I haven't actually wheeled that much with my Jeep uh, for various reasons. And But based on the research that I've done, the absolutely positively best locker that you can put in your vehicle for any case, with the possible exception of con competitive rock crawling, you know, where they speed up the thing at 600 miles an hour and bounce off everything, rock bouncers, <laughs> is a selectable locker. Because a selectable locker, you can turn off and turn on 
whenever you need it or when you don't need it. And uh, it, it it's great for uh, for on the road when you need it. Kind of like my Rubicon lockers. Exactly. Uh, they come in red, by the way. And uh, the... <laughs> But uh, so that's why I went with the AR- ARBs. <laughs> now I think the ox lockers are also. I really like the ox lockers because I really like the idea of that cable and lever engagement. It's it's there's no question about whether it's going to be engaged or not. The ARBs have that airline, and you can rip an airline out of there. But the nice thing is they get they get turned They're off. Noisy. Are they? Well, you're probably know. talking I, about like the solenoids and, you know, the air compressor. And, you know, anytime you switch them right. on or off, you've got that discharge of line pressure and, uh, you know, that pss- well, as this, they, you know, turn on or off. I'll and, feel like and, I'm driving an 18 wheeler where the brakes, uh, you know, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> degas. <laughs> no, there's, there, there is something to be, you know, cool. There is that, that wow factor when you have, you know, an ox lock, you got a couple of, you know, levers down uh, by your seat yeah. that you engage or disengage to give yourself some traction. The same thing with ARB and you've got airlines, you've got an air compressor, you've got switches and stuff. It's all this extra cool stuff that you've modified your Jeep to accept and whatnot. And of course, there's the performance upgrades as well. Trust me, it is a whole nother ball of wax wheeling with lockers versus wheeling without. If you have open differentials and you even do something like a lunchbox locker in your front, in your front axle, kind of an odd one to, you know, to do first, but trust me, it, it is going to completely change the capabilities of your Jeep. Night and day difference overnight. You're going to instantly have much more capability with your Jeep and a lot more confidence out you there. You know, I was really shocked to find out that my four-wheel drive uh, was a one-wheel drive when it was in two-wheel drive mode and a two-wheel right. drive when it was in a four-wheel drive mode. And I was like, I felt like I had been gypped. I did not know. I did not understand this until I started really researching the Jeep stuff. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about because of open lockers, your one wheel is the only one that's ever going to get any traction, the one that doesn't need it. So that's why people talk about lockers. but And that's what Josh is talking about, getting you where any place you want to go, and sometimes where you shouldn't be going, but shouldn't want to be going. Because yeah. <laughs> a locker makes it a true four-wheel drive if you have lockers front and rear. I, I will say this, though. However, it is, it is a good idea to familiarize yourself with your off-road capabilities and your vehicle's capabilities yes. first and foremost before you go diving into you know extensive vehicle modifications like regearing oh, totally and agree. traction devices. Once you familiarize yourself with what your vehicle is capable of, and you've got some seat time behind the wheel with your Jeep as it is, meaning you know no no lockers or traction devices installed. You really increase your skill set when it comes time to do those kinds of upgrades because then you're able to to really make use of that skill set um, to the nth degree. I mean, because you know every last little you know quirk of your Jeep and how it's going to react and whatnot. And so when you have that extra traction, you'll know what to do with it and and when. Uh, not having that knowledge, you might be you know tempted to take a wrong line, yeah. put too much you know throttle into a, into a line or something like that. And you could very easily get yourself in over your head uh, because you're not you're not used to having that traction or you're not used to the vehicle's capabilities. Well, I mean, airlines break and uh, cables snap huh? and uh, other things happen, and you may not have that locker uh, to help you up and over. So it's always good to know. You know, I've heard people talk about this, and I think it's funny where they say, uh, just what you were saying, Josh, about you know, it, it does, it's not as fun when you have lockers because it's like point and shoot. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to go any place that you want to go. There are always limitations. But, I mean, just the idea of getting in a vehicle and just, oh, yeah, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over there now. And people are going, no, wow. 
Yeah, but I think, you know, when you do that, there's no, like, fun in it. Like, like it, it's almost too easy. For me, the, the fun is the challenge of trying to get over this rock. Okay, it didn't work this way. Let me try this way or let me try that way instead of just pushing that button and zoom, there you go. And yeah, and that's, that's excellent information I have, just like Josh was saying. Now, I've, I've wheeled with some guys that kind of take this to the next level, and they, they've got you know things like a two-low kit installed in their yes. transfer case, meaning that they have two-wheel drive, low range. And with a locker in the back, trust me, you're very, very capable. A, a, a Jeep that is in two-wheel drive in low range and has both wheels locked up in the rear can almost do just about any trail out there in two-wheel drive without having to put it in a four or engage the front at all. So, you know... It really is. And it, there's a bunch of videos out there. Talk to your talk to some other Jeepers out there. Trust me, there's a bunch of other guys that are running that same kind of setup out there, and and how capable the rig is in just having two wheels that are fully locked up. It's it's, it's like I said, it's a night and day difference. So I think we need to get a Jeep Talk Show Crown Victoria, put a Ford <laughs> nine inch <laughs> with with low lockers with a low <laughs> transfer case and lockers, and get Tammy to take it out to the Rubicon. I actually, I think, no, I think there's a video of a guy that yeah. actually has a Crown Vic with like a bike rack on the back. And I think he has a locked up <laughs> rear end and he's taking it like through Lion's Back or something out in Moab. I mean, it's just, it's just like, what? This is an old cop car and you're yeah. wheeling it? Actually, actually, if we could get it make look like the old Blues Brothers uh, cop car with the big oh, speaker, there, there I mean, the go. bullhorn thing on top, that would be perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I that'd would be- do really good with that. Oh, and uh, you could do uh, the fake cigarette hanging in your mouth and uh, curlers yeah. in your hair, you know, like the mom right. uh, go into the go into the market. My, my, my white robe. That paints a pretty picture. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of Jack Daniels there on the uh, on the door, where you just uh, ready uh, for the fireball. For the, yeah, for the drinking. <laughs> the Jeep Dog Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. Hey Jeepers, this is uh, Rob from Turner, Texas. Hey guys, it's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey guys, this is Cody from Indiana. Hello Chief Talk Show crew, this is FJ Rick. Hi guys, this is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey guys, this is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show, this is Jason, Oregon Trail Off-Road. Hi. This is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. <laughs> hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, Secretary Jake calling. This is John, I'm Free Runner in 1982, and on today's Radio Contact segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, an anal probe restraint system. No! <laughs> no. No, no. No, that's not right. We love our listeners. Amateur radio can be fun, if not a little strange. <laughs> So here's something that isn't strange at all. It's a great interview uh, with uh, Coralie Lack. Uh, I'm betting it's going to be great because we're going to be talking about the Rebel Rally. Uh, now, Coralie is a Jeeper and off-road enthusiast from Seattle. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Hey, everyone. I'm excited to announce um, we have this really awesome interview. I've been following this lady for, um, 
got a, a solid week watching her every move. Um, it's Coralie. Coralie, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Um, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? And um, uh, what Sure. So uh, my name is Coralie Lack, and I live in the greater Seattle area in Washington. Um, I'm married. I have two kids. I have two grandkids. And um, what else is interesting? So for employment history, I have a legal background. I was a paralegal. And I worked for companies like Adobe where we did, uh, my specialty was intellectual property and trust and safety, user trust and safety. And more recently, I am operating my own business called Mossums, which is a 3D video game hosted in Second Life. Hey, you don't and have any uh, additional uh, Adobe licenses that you can give to uh, talk show hosts, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, Actually, since I've left, I have to pay for my own. So Those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love their products and I still use them. Oh, they're great. They are. And then it's no secret um, to Tammy, at least, that in my spare time, as much as possible, I am usually in my Jeep and wheeling somewhere and or camping. And so just this past week, you were in um, a big competition. Do you want to let folks know what that was? Yeah. So what it is, it's called the Rebel Rally. And the Rebel Rally is an all-women's event. It's a 10-day um, off-road rally. And it's not a race. It's actually um, it's combining off-road driving with old-school use of maps and compasses. So we're out in the desert for nine days of driving, over 1,200 miles, living out of our Jeeps and parking, or not just Jeeps, there are all kinds of uh, off-road vehicles. And we live out of tents, and you spend each day looking for hidden checkpoints using your map and compass, and they make us turn in our phones and our GPS and computers, laptops, ham radios, all of that stuff. We're completely shut off from the outside world for the seven days of the competition. So you're completely right. unplugged and disconnected for over a week out in the wilderness, basically doing geocaching off-road. Uh, that sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is there anybody in a Conestoga wagon? Uh, that's just trekking across there with a couple of horses pulling the wagon because that's how that's kind of sounds like what you're doing <laughs> almost if you think about it because we have all of our gear and we're carting it with us everywhere we go so i have a roof rack and my tent and my clothes and my water it's all crammed on the top of the jeep and we're taking it all the way through the desert now you're not in your jeep alone you have oh, sorry josh that's right. I, you're basically asking the same question I was. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you if, if you're doing this alone or these two-person teams or four-person teams. I mean, how, how involved does this get when you're, you're out you know, on this rally, more or less, for, for a week or more? That's a long time to be out, out you know, in the wilderness and, and whatnot, and especially off-road and trying to navigate and stuff. I would imagine you would have to have a teammate. Absolutely. Um, so this year, there were a total of 36 cars that entered and there's two classes. There's a four by four class and there's a crossover class. So like a Subaru was in the crossover class, for example. And then each car has a driver and a navigator. And so in most of the cases, the navigator is um, plotting out 
where we're going to go based on either a latitude or long- a latitude and longitude that was given to us or a heading. So they could have told us from this known location, go 75 degrees for 15 kilometers. And she has to figure out where that is in the map and tell wow. the driver where to go. Wow. And you actually spend 24-7 with that person. So you're driving for 10 to 12 hours a day. You're camping in the same tent. And then there's also the lead-in time. So for us, there was two days of travel from Washington to the check-in spot. And then there was two days of driving back. So it was a total of about 13 days of just the two of us in the Jeep. Are you <laughs> and guys most of the other competitors have the same thing going on. Are you guys able to switch roles? I mean, is, is the one person always the navigator and one person always the driver? Or are you guys able to kind of, you know, do double duty? Certainly you can swap. So we swapped one day, but the truth is she's just a much better navigator than I am. Yeah. Ah. And, now, does and it, she had experience in navigation, didn't she? Um, so she was in the military. Uh, she was in the army and she was trained on the land navigation using a grid system. And the kind of navigation we're using is a little bit more, a little bit different. So it's using the latitude and longitude and actually measuring it, the distances wow. based on that instead of a grid. But she's very good at it. That so what would like you say was the most I, I difficult know. part? <laughs> <laughs> Time! Oh. <laughs> so I think what would you say the most difficult? <laughs> the most difficult part. I think it depends on who you ask. Um... For us, it was, there's multiple portions of the competition. There's the map and compass portion, and then they have smaller challenges each day. So three of the days, they had what's called time, speed, and distance. And what that is, driving an average speed over a specified distance and getting to checkpoints at 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 an exact time. And that's way more math on the fly than the mapping is. So you'd have to be able to calculate exactly what time you need to be five kilometers down the road, for example. And so that was our play, spot. That's got to play a lot into like fuel considerations or, or any like mechanical failures or anything like that. I mean, how do you, how do you judge, you know, when you don't know exactly where you're going or how long it's going to be to get there, or, you know, any of that stuff, how do you plan for, for fuel allowances and stuff like that? So that's actually a good question. They recommend that you you bring a vehicle that has um, at least, that can get 300 miles per gallon at least. But when you're making your decisions every day, that's something you have to consider is some days there'll be a lot of checkpoints that you have to go find. Other days there's fewer amounts. And then you need to figure out how many kilometers you're going and if you have enough gas to actually go get them all. And so you might have to make a hard choice to skip a checkpoint and then go back to base camp and call it a day because you didn't have enough fuel for that day. Wow. There were people who ran out of fuel this year. Oh, oh wow. wow. So what, what and, happens with that? Does, do, do people get stranded out? I mean, does, is there any way to like track these people? I mean, how does if somebody does run out of gas, you don't have a cell phone. Do you guys have any communications equipment out there? We do. So what they do with this is um, one of the fees for us is to pay for some sat- a satellite tracking system, and they equip each vis- vehicle with the satellite tracking system, which is how you oh, guys wow. were able to watch what we were doing. And so at all times, they know where we are, even though we may not know where we are. <laughs> and then they also give us a satellite phone where if we had an emergency, uh, then we had specific numbers that we could call. 
So in the cases of the people that ran out of gas, they'd have to get their satellite phone out and call the base camp, which is where all the staff workers are hanging out while we're che- getting checkpoints, and let them know that they're out of gas. They'll come and fuel them up to get them back to base camp. But if you run out of gas, then you get a penalty. So you get some of your points deducted for running out of gas. So I guess you guys get to uh, just uh, tease the hell out of them uh, later that evening then. Oh, we could, but you know, the vibe (laughs) in camp is a whole lot different from that. All of the competitors really want to see everybody else do well, even though it's competitive and we all want to do well ourselves. Nobody really wants to see anybody do bad. So when... I actually know one of the girls personally that ran out of gas, and I just felt really sad for them. I was very devastated because we had to drive past them while they were sitting on the back of their truck, <laughs> oh, dangling no. their legs. Well, that's got to so be that, a little bit of a uh, one of those competition moments, you know, where you're just like, "Hey, there's one of our competitors. They look okay, but hey, at least they're out of the race, and you know that brings us one, you know, one more notch up on the uh, leaderboard." Well, certainly, anytime somebody makes a mistake, you're like, okay, here's where we get to uh, shine and move a step up. So. Well, it makes you a little bit nervous, too, doesn't it? So you have the, to double check your numbers to make sure it didn't happen to you. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when people start yawning, everybody else <laughs> starts yawning. Yeah, there was one day where we came really close to running out of fuel, but I think I had two gallons left by the time I got back to base camp. Oh, wow. That's got pretty close. That was a so really long it. day, but we made it. Now I know I was um, following your your journey on the the website, watching you know every little point that you hit. And there was one day where you know everybody else is following this track, and they all stop at one place, and all of a sudden you kept going, <laughs> and then you stopped like you must have been like I don't know five seven miles away, and you just were, stayed there. Um, so what happened that day? Um, were we moving around? But just in an opposite direction? Yeah, you were in the opposite direction, yeah. Okay, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that was day four, and we were in Johnson Valley. It was our first day in Johnson Valley. And um, just to, I'll, t- I'll step back a little bit. On one of the days that we were competing, um, they had very spe- specific instructions for us to get to the spot where we were going to start looking for checkpoints and they've set some flags up and they called those flags a transition point. And on that day we were supposed to go to the transition point and go through it. And then we could start our day for the checkpoints. And on the day four, they had another transition point, but Christy, my teammate um, and I were a little bit confused. We thought we were supposed to do the same thing, go to the transition point and then go get all of our checkpoints. And as we were doing that, we were kind of thinking to ourselves that this didn't make a lot of sense because our checkpoints were way off the other direction. But we didn't want to break the rules, so we went to the transition point, and we started driving through Johnson Valley, and we're going through these crazy trails with rocks and boulders and ups and downs and trying to find our way across so we could go over and get that first checkpoint. Um, After about two hours of doing that and not being able to oh find a way through the mountain to wow. go over to get the checkpoint one, we decided to turn around. So then I had to drive back through all that crazy terrain again. And then we went all the way back around and started catching up on our checkpoints. And we decided since we had just wasted two hours that we were going to skip one. So for time management purposes, 
there were 18 checkpoints. We're already Holy two cow. hours behind, so we decided to skip one. Can I make and, a suggestion on that story? Yeah. I would say <sighs> the NSA contacted you and you were put on a mission for the United States government <laughs> to locate a downed Russian military satellite, which you were able to recover and save the free world. Yeah, that much was more a much plausible. In only, I'll tell that going forward. In only two hours. <laughs> it was yeah. a small price to pay <laughs> to lose the position at the rally. <laughs> so what's really cool about that though, day, though, is um, it was one of those times where my ability as a driver actually came in and shined because we recovered from that two-hour period. And even though we skipped one checkpoint, we were able to drive through and get all the remaining checkpoints for that day which included going right back through that same area a third time. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and still made it back to camp within two hours. Yeah. With two hours. Well, sure. By that, by that time, you were really familiar with the <laughs> area. Yeah. I remember That's, that so rock. You knew exactly where to go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and we were passing checkpoints that we knew were checkpoints for later in the day. So we already ah. knew where they were <laughs> because we had so, started cool. running it backwards. Poor but, I don't think a lot like of people third, realize this, but... Um, Coralie, you used to um, wheel in the Rubicon Trail all the time. Um, I've been to the Rubicon Trail three times, but um, I did wheel. So this is actually an interesting story. Um, I've kind of, my all of my wheeling until I moved to Washington was rock crawling. Right. When I, when I got my Jeep, I did one of those things where we, were gonna, we got it so that we could put two dogs in it and go camping. And then I put a lift on it because you have to. It's Jeep. Absolutely. But when we put the lift on it, we said, oh, we're never going to do that rock calling stuff. So it didn't really matter what kind of lift I put on it. <laughs> and then I started looking for people that we could go trail riding with. And I kind of stumbled into this group of people that I didn't know the very first time I met them were crawlers. And so here I am in my jeep that's six months old that has a lift on it and we go to this first meet and greet and they're hanging out on this crazy rock thing and they're driving over it and so i was just watching and then my friend jim says to me okay it's your turn and i just <laughs> could I, oh no <laughs> i like, couldn't uh -oh. back down and so, and so i did it and it was all downhill from there. The most popular trail that we had run in North, Northern California was a place called Slick Rock, which is um, near Lake Alpine. But we did go to the Rubicon Trail on three different occasions, and I did quite a bit of crawling up in the Northern California area. So you had experience going over the this terrain, and so it. Do oh, all yeah. the women have the same kind of off-roading experience that you did? Some of them do. So, um, their Cora was from, from Torque Masters was there and she's right. just a pro. And so I'm certain that that terrain gave her no challenge whatsoever. Right. And then Nina Barlow, who's, um, pretty famous. She runs Barlow, um, adventures. She rents out Jeeps in Arizona. Right. Um, she's a certified four wheel drive instructor. Uh, I don't, and she takes, she does tours at the Rubicon all the time. But for her, she was in a big power wagon. So I'm guessing that some of those tight trails were probably a little more difficult for her than if she'd have been in one of her Jeeps. That said, right. she took second place. So I have no doubt that she's <laughs> an absolutely amazing driver. 
But there were right. a lot of women there who had never done it before. And they were in stock vehicles. Um, there were a few stock Jeeps. There were some a Toyota 4Runner who was getting stuck a lot. And <laughs> I don't necessarily think it was their capabilities as a driver, just that it was kind of the wrong vehicle for that train. Right. What would so, you say would be the um, the most beneficial skill or vehicle to have? Like, is map reading, would that be the number one thing to go into the competition with or your vehicle or your driving capabilities? Oh, I would definitely say that it's the mapping is the weightiest portion of the scoring. So you really need a navigator that can plot and use their compass to triangulate off the terrain and can see the terrain and recognize it on the map. I think that's the most important skill. And then the second most weighty thing is the TSD thing that I told you about, the average speed. So somebody who's really good at math is probably more important. Um, Most of the ladies who did the Johnson Valley stuff were able to get through it. Um, It's not, the, the trails that they took us on were not as technical as things like the Rubicon. But a lot of the ladies who did it, thought that this was just really amazing and felt really empowered because they'd never driven anything like that at all. Right. So I'm just kind of curious uh, if the navigator has their head down all the time and you're on this off-road terrain, uh, how, how bad is the motion sickness in the group? Oh, Christy had to take Dramamine. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There was no way she could have done it, especially going over some of that crazy bumpy terrain in Johnson Valley. I mean, it's I basically you got your you got your head in a bag, you know, and you're looking down all the time and you know, all this stuff is moving around. It just it just drives you crazy. I did this on a a long cross country flight where I was doing the navigating and I got sicker than a dog. <laughs> so <laughs> that's we that's both, my reference. We both suffer from motion sickness, so I'm I'm quite sympathetic to it, but I didn't have much problems with that as the driver. Yeah. I'm a little more <laughs> but, curious about with with 30 some odd vehicles out there, you know, multiple people within the teams and whatnot, and of course a wide variety of skill sets and back backgrounds and everything what's the competition level like is is it more friendly and everybody's just sort of on the same team doing their sort of thing or is it really you know brutal competition and a dog eat dog type of stuff out there oh that's a really good question um it is extremely competitive um and the top teams were really chewing at each other all week long um but at the same time all almost everybody is willing to help somebody out or give them some advice or help them understand something that they didn't. Or in my case, I stopped and sacrificed some points to help another team who had a fuel line break. Mm. And so we sacrificed some points at the end of the day to help her put her fuel line back together because she didn't know how to do it. She does now. So every- yeah. <laughs> Everything's all scored on a, on a points basis. Now, what's at stake here? What's what's all this for? What's uh, what's the big prize? What everybody? What's everybody oh, going after? That is a really good question. Um, there, the prize is they have a whole bunch of prizes from their sponsors. So, uh, Sunto Compasses, for example, has a watch that they donate, and there's trophies, and whoever wins gets the $12,000 entry fee paid for them the following year. So wow. honestly, I think that's, most that's of it is, yeah, it is bragging rights because it's an expensive event to 
go to and the prize it's not a huge like $100,000 prize anything like that it's, it's i think it's more about the adventure and stepping out of comfort zones and doing something kind of crazy so would you do something crazy like this again would you be part of the rebel rally again oh absolutely we're already talking about how we're going to redeem ourselves next year now ah. <laughs> now uh, i know Tammy said that she was following along how do people uh, watch this? I mean, or, or or follow along? Is it is there any video of it, or is it strictly uh, just something on a map that you're seeing? I mean, how could people uh, share in this experience with you? So actually, what's interesting is competitors. We don't actually get to see it, um, but this is what I do know. Um, there's a company called Mapbox who is one of the sponsors, and they provide uh, a website that you can go to. And it shows the, a map of where we're at, and there's a little dot of all of the cars. And then you can see the path that each car took, and you can actually see how close they are to a checkpoint. So you could watch and see my car. We were team number 132. You could see the path we took, and you could see if I was really close to a black, and you could go, oh, it's just to the left. It's to the left. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> Cheering them along. You're missing it. Right. I see why don't you don't have your phones. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I, so, just um, over, I just popped over to rebelrally.com and uh, they've got a great website right. uh, that has a lot of stuff set up with links and, and, and all team bios. Uh, you could even do live tracking when the event was actually you know taking place and, and uh, track along with your favorite team and stuff like that. Daily updates, news and stuff like that. There's even an Instagram uh, page set up for, for all the pictures after the fact. Uh, so a ton of stuff. You guys want to get involved? With this rebel rally, there's tons of avenues out there uh, for you guys to sort of live vicariously uh, through Cora Lee and her teammates. And I'm sure this is the case, but this is just a one one time thing a year. I mean, I guess at twelve thousand dollar entry fee, you don't want to do it two or three times. <laughs> no, especially if you pay out of your own pocket. Uh, there were a lot of teams who did pay out of their own pocket, and um, one of them said, "This year I'm doing the rebel rally. Next year I'm going to uh, Africa or something like that." So oh, for wow. that team, it was their adventure money for the year for other teams right. that have sponsors. It's not quite as difficult, but it's, it's also a long event and it, you, you're going to get You couldn't do it multiple times per year. I don't think because it wears on you physically and emotionally. And, uh, I don't, even now I'm still trying to decompress from, and, get stepped back into real life it's not working very well yet hmm. but no so i don't think we, you could do it every year or more than once per year but and we never got year, to yes. talk about we never got to talk about um the vehicle that you drove oh yeah so <laughs> i have well i actually have two jeeps but i drove the second jeep which is a gecko green 2013 uh, JKUR, and um, we have that modified quite a bit, not as much as my other Jeep that I use for the crawling, but um, it's got a four-inch Rubicon Express lift on it with some syner Synergy steering components, and then we put some Raceline beadlock wheels on there with Nitto Trail Grapplers so that we could air down enough to not get stuck in the sand. And then what color is your other Jeep? My other Jeep is black. Yeah, there you 
you go, Tony. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was yeah. the wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> and are they both your Jeeps or do you share your, your Jeep with your husband? Well, if you ask him, all the three vehicles are mine. Oh, oh okay. I didn't expect that answer. <laughs> and, and I let him daily drive the green one to work. Ah, yes. Oh, nice, bright colors. Yeah. Well, hey, if you guys want to, if you guys want to find out more information on the Rebel Rally, check out some of the pictures and info. Maybe even figure out how you can put together a team, or uh, you want to get involved with uh, with volunteering or something. Head over to www.rebelrally.com. That's R-E-B-E-L-L-E rally.com, and uh, there you can guys can find out a bunch of pictures and all the information that you need on the Rebel Rally. They and also have a great real- YouTube channel. Yeah. And I was going to say, Coralie, do you um, want to share your personal um, Instagram with everybody? Oh, so sure. Um, so I've been on Instagram for a while. And um, my whole MO, if you don't mind, if I get a little bit personal, is um, back in 2007, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And so one of the things that I try to do on my Instagram page is kind of show other people that you can have these challenges in life and still get out there and kind of conquer it and do great things and have fun and not let the the disease or whatever troubles you're having in life take over your whole life. And so we, those of us who have MS call ourselves MS warriors that are trying to fight it and not sit at home. And so what I did was I took my page and I kind of combined the fact that I have MS with all of my jeeping adventures and you can find all of my jeeping adventures, which has been going on now for a couple of years on Instagram at crawler underscore chick. Oh, okay. And, and I'm also on Twitter, which she's got a ton of, um, followers. So awesome pictures. And Josh, she's right up there in um, the Pacific Northwest with you. Yeah, my old stomping grounds. Actually, I actually hail from the Seattle area, Coralie. So, uh, yeah, you're up in uh, my old neighborhood. Oh, really? So, I'm actually still learning it. Uh, We moved here about a year and a half ago when my husband took a job up in Redmond. And so, I'm still learning the area. But two weeks before the rally, when I should have been preparing, I actually ran my first trip to LB Hills. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I went to I went to school I, and lived just out just outside of Redmond, so I'm I'm actually familiar with where you're at. But it's been a long time since I've been up there. I actually am, am way overdue for getting back to to the old neighborhood. But uh, but yeah, glad to hear uh, you're out there and 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 really sending in, an awesome message uh, with with you know living with MS, but not letting it affect you and and how you enjoy the outdoors. And and I'm just checking out your Instagram page right now. Some amazing pictures on there, Coralie. So. Uh, kudos to you for, for being able to do this and, and for getting that awesome message out there. And we'll cl- include it in the show notes, but what was the, uh, what was the link or the, uh, uh, the name on the Instagram account again? Crawler? Crawler underscore chick. Okay. So just add sign crawler Crawler chick. with a C. Oh, yeah. there you go. See? Crawler with a C. Messing things up. People go looking at somebody else thinking, my God, why is she putting pictures up like that? Right. <laughs> Well, thank Carly, you so yeah, much. Thank you yes. so much for joining us on such short notice and um, look forward to hopefully you'll be in the Rebel Rally next year and we can follow your little dot. Maybe with map. a sponsor. Yeah. Oh, we actually have a few sponsors this year. Oh, so yeah. well, you got to drop some names. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got to say top. thanks to the sponsors. 
we have Bestop, who has just been a great supporter of me and what I've been doing for a long time. And if you're interested, I actually have a video on their website on under the Why Bestop section <laughs> that talks a little bit about the MS stuff and the wheeling. And then we have X-Bright, who did all of our lighting. So we, including the bracket that broke, but that's a different story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then we have Raceline Wheels, who happily donated um, all five of our bead locks. So we're hugely appreciative of that because we did not get stuck ever. That's wow. Awesome. Excellent. And then we also have Wagon Tech and Crazy Beaver Tools. And then I just have to give a big shout out to my friend Paul from 5150 Fabrication who bait, uh, who fabricated my entire roof rack. So I have a awesome. completely custom roof rack on that green Jeep. I think I'm gonna go, have to guys. get I think I'm gonna have to get me some crazy beaver tools. I just like the name of that. Kind of be a, uh, a, a memory, a memory of a, are so cool. <laughs> a memory to my ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. Their logo is pretty cool too. So, um, you should definitely get one. We love them. Last year we used one of their shovels to dig ourselves out at the rebel rally. Coralie, thank you again very much. And, um, we'll be watching you on Instagram and hopefully next year at the rebel rally. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was too short an interview. <laughs> now, I want to say thanks again for Cor to Coralie for taking the time uh, from her busy schedule, I'm sure, to talk about uh, her adventures with the Rebel Rally and uh, and everything else. I, I just, just, we could talk to this girl all night long, I think. Oh, we have to get her back on the show again, I, I'm afraid. Definitely. She had, I'm sure there's so many more adventures that she could share because she was out there. I, I think it was like, a, it was a seven day straight, nonstop oh. competition. Uh, I wish we had asked her what uh, what's the, what they ate. Was there any bacon involved? Because I would think oh, that actually, out there under the stars would be great for bacon. I got some like they some MREs had going a, and stuff. A chef oh, there for the for the the days that they got to go back to base camp. Ah. There were some days where they were out camping and they had to bring their own food and eat their own food. Um, but there were days when they could go back to base camp. Um, and eat. Well, just as a reminder, and we'll have this in the show notes, you can find uh, Coralie at, uh, on Instagram, which I, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where the best place to see what's going on with her, Tammy, is Instagram. Uh, yeah. Cra crawler underscore chick. And I think that's crawler with a K. No, crawler with a C. Well, who yep. said K earlier? I said, did I say K? No, I said C, crawler with a C. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was confused. I did. It, I don't know. Maybe I. I said, thought you said okay. Anyway, now you guys know it for sure. It's crawler with a C, as you would expect. And uh, you know, you can follow the Rebel uh, Rally at rebelrally.com. Again, we'll have it in the show notes. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, fall is coming, and it's. The fall is here. It's that time of year that <laughs> oh, every no. keeper loves. And uh, I'm not talking about Halloween, going door to door, getting free candy. Although, uh, Wendy says I'm a little too old for it. But I say, until the neighbors slap that restraining order on me, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> and uh, I'm not talking about the fact that we could drive our Jeeps without our eyes glued to the temperature gauge. I'm talking about it's that time of year. Tony uses the turkey gobble button 
Jeez. Gobble, gobble, gobble. No, you weren't supposed to remind uh, yeah, him. I'm calling the phone line because uh, third week straight, I can't get speak pipe button to appear anywhere on my phone. <laughs> I hate Apple. I cannot stand Apple. I'm going to throw this thing in the lake. No. But I can't because I need it to entertain myself while I'm waiting in line at the Apple store for the iPhone 10. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be the only one having this problem. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. I'm Nine actually times. curious about that. I'm, I'm wondering... Times. I'm wondering if uh, if anybody else out there who is uh, who's using an Apple device and uh, engaging with the show, uh, if they go over to JeepTalkShow.com, uh, if they're seeing the SpeakPipe, uh, the little thing on the on the right side of the page that uh, is basically an online answering machine directly for the show, uh, and it's how you guys can can basically leave us a message online. Uh, but apparently, the Safari app or or whatever you know app uh, that he's using on the Apple phone is is not showing the button that would be used to to facilitate that. Uh, if any of you other guys out there are having the same problem, give us a call. Let us know because uh, we're trying to figure out if that's on our end or if that's on your end or how that works. So 530-675-4102, voicemail line. Nobody will answer that. Just leave a message there. Or you can, uh, of course, email us. Just drop it a line, uh, info at jeeptalkshow.com. And by the way, if you are going to the JeepTalkShow.com website and you don't see anything like what we're talking about, it automatically detects if you're using a smartphone and it will show you the mobile version. But if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's something like there that says uh, full site or uh, full screen or something. Uh, you click that and then you'll get this, the thing that you would see if you were using a PC or an Apple uh, Mac or something then you're going to be able to see the little button for SpeakPipe. And I, I know Nikki G knows this, but if you've gone there and said, I don't know what, what's going on, I've never seen a button, it, it may be because you're looking at the mobile-only version. Good info. Uh, well, hey, guys, okay. next up, we've got some stuff that you guys absolutely must have for your Jeep. We, uh, you know, every month or so, go through the, the interwebs and stuff, and we look for the stuff that, that really stands out, some stuff that, that we think is going to be, you know, must-have items for your gear bag or, or for your Jeep. Uh, Tammy, you've got something for us this week. What do we got? Yeah, um, first of all, one of the main things, and actually um, they talked about it a lot this weekend at Women's Wheeling, is a fire extinguisher for your Jeep. And I'm, I know... That's, a, that's uh, definitely a must-have, absolutely. Yeah. And I know a lot of people um, have them, and you hear so many stories about Jeepers who've had to use them. You know, you don't think yep. you, you might use it, but... You probably will, and I have one, but I'm just not sure where to put mine, so I did a call-out for answers on my Facebook page, and there was quite a bit of discussion, and it seems like a lot of folks use the Bartek fire extinguisher mount, and they, my question was, God, where do, where do you put it? And I know a lot of people put it on their rear roll bar, and I'm thinking, gosh, that's kind of a pain to get to where you open right. your tailgate, your lift, your thing, but hello unzip your window and it's right there that's what everyone says it's quick and easy you just i mean i guess if you're not if you're a hard top person that won't work um but anyway it's um, a high quality and it's made in the usa and it fits on padded and non-padded roll bar um there's lots of great reviews on this one now i don't have one um i know a lot of people um, out there, we're leaving good reviews, but I just purchased one tonight, and I'll be sharing my review in the upcoming episodes, and I'll let you know how it works. 
Um, and then another yeah. thing, I was contacted tonight on one of my social media sites by by Hardcore Trail Gear LLC. And if you go over to hardcoretrailgear.com, you can see this item. And I don't know, I've never seen anything like this. Maybe you guys out there have. But I thought it looked pretty interesting and pretty cool. It's called an alien jack base for the high lift or your farm jack. It's a heavy-duty, multi-purpose farm jack base. Um, it, the alien base is heavy-duty base attachment for the jack, which improves stability and safety. It's oh. a multi-tool for your jack that can be configured to stabilize your jack on multiple surfaces. Um, so yeah, just even concrete like a sand. round log. Oh, this thing is right. cool. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to share it out there. Have you guys check it out? Has anybody used it? Um, anyway, I just thought it was, it was pretty cool looking. I, I see only one problem with it, though. The color. I think if they would have <laughs> yeah. painted it purple, it would have been so much better. But anyway, I just wanted to share that with everyone. Just check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, and if anyone's using it, um, shoot us a picture and, and or send us an email. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us what you think about it. So, Tammy, I'll remind you uh, about your purple fetish uh, and wanting things uh, painted purple. You do have 42 cans of purple uh, spray paint left. So. Yes, and I could just paint my own, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, you could probably order some, paint them for people, and ship them out. Uh, there you go. I could and probably do purple. 500 of them. Uh, you know, there's, right. there's three things about the fire extinguisher. Number one, you have to have one. You got to have one. Number two, it needs to be someplace where you can get to it in a hurry. And mm -hmm. this is the most important thing. You need to know how to use the damn thing. So order two. <laughs> the, first <laughs> one, the first one you use to train with because whenever you're in a panic situation, either your Jeep or somebody else's vehicle, you want to be able to do have that training and know exactly how to pop mm -hmm. the tab, pull the pin, uh, whatever it is that, that that has to do and so that you can get that thing on the fire as quickly as possible. And, you I'm know, I've you, heard share, people share with have, you guys a, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to say, some people have two. All right, you guys knock it off. I know. <laughs> Josh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to share with you guys a story that, that when I had to use my fire extinguisher, um, and thankfully it wasn't on my vehicle or, or somebody else's, but I was actually heading back to base camp um, from a, uh, you know, wheeling trip and, uh, heading down some logging roads. And they, they got in this particular area, they had these little culverts, uh, every so often where there would be little, you know, cutouts more or less where they had a little camping site, an unofficial, um, unimproved camping site, just enough room for you to back a vehicle into maybe two, uh, and have a little, you know, area for a couple of tents, a fire ring, something like that. Well, somebody wasn't using a fire ring. Somebody had not <laughs> extinguished their, um, their campfire, uh, when they had left and, um, and it had started to spread. And so as I was driving by, I just sort of out of the corner of my eye kind of, you know, looked over and saw that this particular little unapproved camping site um, was more or less on fire. And so, you know, slam on the brakes, Jeep goes sliding into the gravel, you know, sliding on the gravel, back up, whip open the tailgate real quick, pull out my fire extinguisher. And luckily there was just enough in there. It was a relatively small fire extinguisher, but it was just enough in there to to handle the situation. Um, my shovel took care of the rest of it after that. But Excellent. I mean, just you know, one of those things where it was just happenstance. I just happened to be driving by, just happened to see the fire, and had I not seen that, 
there's no telling how how much this would have burned, how how big it could have oh, gotten. Oh, it could have been the California control. thing all over again. Exactly, yep. exactly. And so, you know, especially with like, you know, the summer that we had, I know that we're moving into the winter months and, and just about everybody now has, um, you know, a fair amount of rain in the inner area or whatnot. But, you know, in the summer months, when things are dry, when there's a lot of fuel out there, when there's a lot of tinder and stuff, when when the woods are dry, it's way easy. It's all too easy for a fire to get started, even just from your catalytic converter um, parking over some hot, some tall grass. That alone can mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. You know, and so having a fire extinguisher, something on hand, um, is really really important. So that's when we say, you know, something that must have for your Jeep. This a fire extinguisher is one of those things. If you own a Jeep, there's no excuse why you shouldn't have a fire extinguisher in there. All right, Tammy. Now it's your turn. Yeah, I'm sorry. We've been doing that all night. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I know some people who have two um, fire extinguishers and they put them on each of the, the yeah, rear roll a, bars. That's a great idea. Back roll bars. And I know Coralie does. She did for her. And she was one of them who runs the Bartek um, fire extinguisher mount. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. So the... Um I was just going to mention the uh, the fire extinguishers do have a, a expiration date on them. So if you go if you do go to buy two, and it's not going to be for the thing of just um, uh, testing thing out like I like I mentioned earlier, you might actually want to do a six month uh, wait in between the two, and that way you don't have two fire extinguishers potentially not working for you uh, if you're carrying two. Um, there was something else. Oh yeah, I've mentioned it before, or Josh has, uh, the catalytic converter. Catalytic converters get quite hot if you're not aware of this. And if they are clogged, and you may not know it, uh, they can get extremely hot, as in thousands of degrees, two, 3,000 mm-hmm. degrees. And yeah, that will catch something on fire really quick. And it, it could be your vehicle if you sit there very long. Perfect time for a fire. It's getting chilly and. Is it? I know it is down here. We. Oh, uh, where's my fire extinguisher? There's a fire. There's been reports <laughs> of uh, homeless people freezing in the streets. Uh, it got down to 53 here the other day. And, oh uh, my goodness. <laughs> I think there's there's snow up in the north. Too, so if, if you guys we don't, we don't ever talk about this, or very seldom do we talk about this. But uh, Tammy, Josh, and I are in three geographically diverse, different areas. I'm down in Texas, southeast Texas, where it's hot uh, every day of the year except for two days where it gets below freezing. It's in February, and then they're non consecutive days. <laughs> so, and Josh, Josh, where are you at? I'm over in the Pacific Northwest. I'm just outside of Portland, Oregon. And Tammy? And I'm over here on the East Coast, just outside of the nation's capital. So uh, we are, uh, we actually should play it up, or the Jeep talk show, Coast to Coast, USA. Right. Even the third coast. Is it a third coast? Am I at a third coast? Sure. The Gulf? Yeah. No. So we're all over the country, guys, and uh, you would think it would give us a better ability to cover uh, events, and I guess it has to a degree. Uh, Tammy went to uh, Bantam uh, here for the first time last year, and uh, looking forward to doing some more of those things. Hope you are, Tammy. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them, uh, hoping you're uh, looking forward to going to them. Yes, I hopefully I'm going to um, the Toledo Jeep Fest next year. Um, oh, that would be a good one. 
Yeah, unless Jeep has banned me from the city. <laughs> now, I you know, you know speaking of that, I found it interesting in Josh's uh, This Week in Jeep, how he was talking about some of the potential suitors to be purchasing uh, Jeep, and one of them was Hyundai. Do you remember uh, Royal Barber giving you a hard time? Yes. About, uh, <laughs> I thought yes. that was oh, really? funny. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah. He, just, he just cursed himself. <laughs> Oh, that's just, I didn't so, even think of that. So Royal got Tammy in to go see uh, the Jeep plant, the Toledo plant, and there was an LJ there, and it was already, she already, underst- I'm sorry, uh, the, she already understood there was no pictures or anything like that, but Jeep got bent out of shape about somebody being there, because uh, there was some information leaked, and they were trying to find out where it came from, and uh, it wasn't Tammy. Uh, but, uh, Royal got, uh, got his, uh, got a little hot water, uh, about, uh, why she was there, even though it was approved. And uh, it was just funny because he was giving her a hard time about getting fired and all this stuff. And he said that he was going to be transferred to Hyundai. They were going right. to move him out yeah. of the Jeep plant. That's right. Josh, you know, where are this? Are you? Cause it was, uh, no, that it was all new to me. Yeah. It was a chat, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, a I text was chat. Freaking. And Tammy oh. was just feeling so bad and she was like, telling oh me on, on another you chat you had her hook line and sinker didn't you oh <laughs> royal did and especially whenever he said he was going to be transferred to hyundai so tonight when you read that story about maybe hyundai purchasing us <laughs> i was laughing at royal <laughs> uh-huh. oh that's funny or that's did, good stuff or does there. royal know something and he was trying to tell us oh, uh well oh, ahead of time. maybe <laughs> 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 so royal uh, if, if i times. if i spoke out of uh, out of turn and I, I got you in another uh, uh meeting uh, with jeep i'm sorry yeah uh we just got an email subject line cease and desist uh, I don't know if <laughs> yeah an offer to purchase the show for one million dollars yeah. <laughs> yeah right you know i still go back to that i'm sorry just going off on a little riff here i still I oh, can't believe i can't believe how uh, how much information is is coming out about the what is it JL, the LJ? JL, yeah, the, yeah JL. the next generation Wrangler, and they're getting yeah. all bent out of shape because you went there and saw it. You know, and, I mean, there's so much information about it. There has to be somebody at Jeep pumping this information oh. out. I mean, with full approval, just because of the right. buzz. Well, I was yeah, going to say they probably have somebody whose position is yeah. is you know th- this is what they're supposed to be doing. You know, right? And all this information was way yeah. out. Exactly. Before oh, yeah. I saw anything. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you have to go back and listen to some of the prior episodes of uh, the Jeep Talk Show. Where hey, it was well before show. it was well before three hundred that we were talking about this, wasn't it? Tim? Yeah, this was back in um, when did I go in June? I was I during my vacation. Yeah, no, that's July. Right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. It was way back. Uh, actually, it was it was actually the beginning of August. Sorry, beginning of August. That was the trip that you took uh, with the fam. Uh, in yep, uh, they did Michigan. not want to go in your Wrangler, so you guys no. rented a Compass. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that was when we went to um, Ocean or uh, North Carolina Beach. The Outer Banks. Yeah, they didn't want to take my to the Outer Banks. Thank you. They didn't want to take my Jeep and my husband. Like we rented a vehicle, and, and it was a. It was a compass. Couldn't get the one that you that he thought he was going to uh-huh. get, so he wound right. up getting a Jeep. And it wasn't. Uh, I'm sorry, uh-huh. I'm not going to bash the compass people, but that's it's a great Jeep for the for for folks that that want it for what it is. Right, but it didn't work for us. And my kids were like, "We should have taken the Wrangler." And I'm like, "Yep, told you so." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Josh, how's your head? <laughs> Which one? Uh, no, Did you get uh, it back? The, 
No, not yet. Not yet. Um, should be here this week, um, possibly next. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be getting a phone call from the guys um, either, you know, tomorrow, maybe Monday or Tuesday. So, But they know it's um, not cracked and they and they know that it's a flat surface where you don't have to have it milled. Is that correct? It's not warped. Well, no, the they are. They are going to they are going to mill it. They, it, it, it. It's not cracked. So it it, it has good pressure um, that the head is good, in, at least in that sense. They're going to deck it anyways, just so that it has a true flat surface on it. Anytime you you overheat a head, there's going to be a little bit of warpage. Um, obviously, it's a large chunk of metal, and, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot. We're talking just you know a couple few thousandths of an inch here, people. Fractions of a human hair here. So um, you know it's it's, but having that done means that the head gasket is going to work that much better when it comes time to install it. So, oh, and the compression um, will go up. <laughs> well, it, that, well that, that's the one thing that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to change my compression ratio. So I didn't want to do a full port and polish on this. I didn't want to change the displacement at all by you know removing a bunch of mass from the head or anything. I wanted to improve the, the airflow a little bit through the head and not much more than that. And then, of course, you know, freshen up the valves and, and all the other stuff you do with it with a head re- re- rebuilding. Um, so they are going to be doing a little bit of, 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 of polish and they're going to do some port matching, uh, some gasket matching and stuff, but it's not going to be aggressive. It's not going to be like full race spec or anything like that. Um, so it's just going to be a couple of known areas that are, you know, are, are prone to restricting flow or causing some turbulation in, in the flow. Now th- these guys aren't running like a full flow bench test or anything like that. They just know their stuff and they know what they, they know what to do and where. Um, and that's why I, I took my head there. Uh, and so you know, when I get it back, it's definitely going to have some performance, you know, uh, improvements to it. But uh, not only that, it's not going to be warped or, uh, you know, I'll have a good head gasket, too. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. So uh, I don't know if you thought about this or not, but, you know, in 1999, they put a higher flow intake uh, on the uh, the 4.0s. You might consider getting one of those and slapping it on there. I have a 99. <laughs> <laughs> No, when they, when everything's all said and done, um, this should be a very very well performing four liter. Um, and it's not going to be a, a, a stroker, but it'll probably be the next best thing. Are you going to go to one of those uh, diesel exhaust systems? A good six eight uh, inch, uh, you know? No, uh, actually, I'm high I, flow. I, well, I right now the the exhaust on on my Jeep is all two and a quarter, but it's all custom and it's all high flow. I have oh, a custom okay. downpipe which has removed the factory restrictor restrictor in there. Um, and so, and I did that for, because I wanted to keep, um, uh, you know, the power band lower in the torque range. Sure. Um, so if I open up that exhaust to like, you know, a three inch exhaust or something like that, um, then my power band is going to move way up in the RPM range. And I want that torque. I want that grunt. I want all that power lower down in the RPM range where you do most of your wheeling at. You're not wheeling at four or five, six grand, you know, four or five, 6,000 RPM. You're wheeling down at 1,500, 2,500 RPM, and that's where I want my power. That's where I want things to stay as far as where all my, you know, my grunt is at. So um, all my modifications and everything is, is, in the, is very purpose-built in the, in the spirit of keeping the power where it's going to be used. So what's the time frame? Uh, I know you don't like jinxing yourself because things always seem to come up, but uh, what kind of time frame ballpark are you mm. looking at? Before the snow hits. <laughs> oh, well, that's good because that's, yeah, uh, that's no, relatively honestly, quickly. Uh, well, I mean, as as well as the Honda does in the snow, it's it's not the Jeep. And um, here in the Northwest, you know, if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes; it's going to change. Um, and they are predicting one hell of a winter this year um, with substantial amounts of snowfall again. 
and I really don't want to be without the Jeep. Oh, so um, I'm I'm trying to at least get it running and driving, um, and and have the tra- and I'll have the transfer case. Uh, I'll have gone through that and everything by then. So at least I'll I'll be you know four wheel drive ready and whatnot. Um, you know I'm hoping by Christmas. Let's let's throw that out there. So you know when you you keep talking about better performance and stuff like yeah performance as in when you wheel or driving or speed or all of those engine. really I mean, just yeah really uh, i'm gonna say yes tammy <laughs> um okay. really it's, it's it's performance of the engine itself and so right. that is going to be it's going to be a smoother idle um smoother acceleration when i'm on 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 road there will be some more power in, involved there will be a little bit better response in the throttle you have um, the uh, multi-port injectors in there right now don't you uh N- not the factory I, one hole. No, I think I do have. Did I swap out the? I have to go back in my build. I don't remember. Well, I said, think they well, are the factory. I think they are the factory injectors. Actually, when you said the uh, when you said smoother idle and better response, it reminded me of all the stuff I've heard about uh, replacing the injectors with the multi ports. So yeah. that'll be that'll be the next project for you, Josh. If you haven't already done that, of course, now would be a great time to do it. But that's that's yeah, another exactly. expense. While you're in there, <laughs> it's it's not difficult to do. I mean, it's it's an hour no, it's really hour and a half job. Got, it's really easy. Well, I've already got the fuel rail already pulled and everything, and so I mean, it would be super easy. And I just replaced all the O rings on the injectors, uh, so mm-hmm. you know I've got that going for me as well. But uh, no, I'm I'm definitely at that point of where there's a lot of hey, while you're in there, you might as well. The- <laughs> fill in the blank you the, know the trouble is though when you change a bunch of things you don't know exactly what it is that uh, made yeah. the difference so it'd be I nice know. to try it you know with just the head and see how it works and then put the injectors on it but the injectors are gonna are will we'll make it nicer especially that idle it's it's uh it's it's really cool how you can make these modifications Throw some uh i can't remember if it's mustang or i can't remember who it it's, is is it well mustang? there's uh there's there's Mustang uh, the must uh, the earlier Mustang five liter uh, injectors will are a direct swap um, as well as the Dodge Omni I believe are another oh, no, no. oh my goodness neon it's the uh, neon it might be neon too yeah I think it's the neon uh, there's there's so, there's several um, yeah. out there several options that you can and you they, can pull injectors they, from. Come, and they have the same the same connector end and everything it's just the 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 amount uh, what they're rated for and it's 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 in, in PSI you know it's right. like I think the the stock ones are like five to fifteen, and I think like the Mustang ones go up to twenty-five psi or, or something like that. So, so it's, Tammy, it's all controlled by the ECU, though, and so yeah, I mean, really ultimately, you're you're really there's not going to be that much of a difference. The fuel delivery itself doesn't change as far as the volume goes. Right, it's just the multi-pintle uh, the, the the ports on the end of the injectors that actually spray the fuel out. Um, instead of one, there's four, and so you get a little bit more of an atomized mist yeah, uh, inside a, the combustion chamber. Uh, a better mix of air to fuel, I think, is the theory. Exactly. So, you Tammy, uh, you may be interested in this. I can't remember, because I've actually put two sets of uh, injectors on, on my uh, 4.0. One set was yellow, which I think that's what I have on there now, but I think the first set I had were purple. Oh, wow. Yeah, you'd, you'd like that. <laughs> Mine are blue. Why are they colored? I have no idea. Yeah, there's. I have no that idea. I'm sure it weird. means something, but it, it might. It it might. I don't know if there is any rhyme or reason to it could, the colors huh. on the injectors. So maybe it, it may not be. That's weird. So what's going on with you, Tammy? Oh, I you know, and I forgot to mention in Wrangler talk. I just wanted um, to throw a, a big thank you out there. Um, we interviewed when we had the Jeep Talk Colin show Scott from Northeast Off Road Adventures Nora Four by Four. Right. Um, 
Well, they did a couple of classes this weekend at, at Women's Wheelin', and um, I took the advanced winching and high lift class. Oh. And it was, yeah, it was really cool. I learned some really good, useful stuff. Let, um, me, let me stop uh, you right there, Tammy, if I yep. may. And, uh-huh. and let me ask you, have you gone through any recovery classes before this one? Um, I did a little off-road class with them when I went wheeling with them, but it, that was more of how to wheel, which I kind of knew most of that stuff, but I did learn some tricks. But no, I have never, never done any recovery, so anything. So since this was an advanced winching and high lift class, they were probably probably covering a lot of things that, you know, most people would, uh, you know, yeah. who have gone through, you know, entry level uh, recovery classes before would, you know, they'd understand the the fundamentals and whatnot. Was there any of right. this that was over the head for you? Was there anything that you didn't understand or like, you know, what were they talking about there? How did that work? You know, what's this device or any of that? Was there any of that that went on when you were going through this class? No, because I think being a jeeper and you want to educate yourself as much as you can, And, you know, you hear people talk about, oh, you need this recovery thing, you need that recovery thing. And, you know, you do your research. I think if I hadn't been a Jeeper, I would have been like, yeah, or haven't been off-roading. Yeah, yeah, you You don't see the reason for it. Right. Um, You know, and it was just, it was really cool. And it was, um, then there's so much more for me to learn about all of that. Like, you know, just actually doing it. So the. The big question on everybody's mind, did they have a DLA? Oh, um, yeah. No, they did not. I had it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. I didn't think they would, but I thought I'd throw that out no. there. So, Tammy, but I, it, I know really the, cool. I know you don't have a winch on your Jeep, so I'm assuming you were portraying the doing a little bit of role playing where you were the winch operator and a big burly was. guy was was playing the uh, the the role of the winch. Yes. No, I was, I, I got to push all the buttons. Actually, he picked me um, to I, I sit in the Jeep because when he was showing, you know, the signals and, you know, the, the safe way to do it and stuff, um, I got to go in and um, push push the little button to, you know, wheel the line in and out. So Isn't it See, fun go, to have people. all these? Lawns always have more fun. <laughs> Isn't yes, it fun exactly. to have all these powerful buttons at your fingertips? Yes. I mean, I it's cool having these tools that will go places that other people can't go and uh, tools that allow you to uh, pull that or pull something back that is just so simple. It's it's great having the right, right. tools. So, And I was really nervous to push the button at first because oh, I'm like, were. God, I've never done this before. And I mean, we weren't oh, really... Yeah. We weren't winching anything out or anything. It's nice and slow. That's the nice thing about it. Mm-hmm. But there was this really, and I wish I would got recorded more of it. And I've got a little blip of it. Um, I I put it on Instagram, but he took the tree saver and he cradled the tire, and then he hooked the tree saver together into the high lift jack and lifted the tire up and it rolled the jeep back and it was a really cool way of doing a recovery if you can't if you couldn't get your high lift jack to lift your jeep up high enough Mm -hmm. um anyway i just like god there are so many cool little tricks out there that i need to learn yeah they sell these straps i think it's high lift or maybe somebody else uh, but basically they're meant to go in the the wheel slots uh, of your whatever wheel you need to get it on and then right. uh, you use the high lift to jack that thing up 
so it, 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 it grabs it grabs it lower that way so right. for the exact same thing you're talking about but you know you can uh, you can go crazy buying all kinds of things for your jeep and and actually I, run out I of will, space <laughs> i will say that that's the first time i've seen that particular trick i've seen versions of that uh right. before but I, that's the, the first time i've seen that particular right. version of of that moving the jeep essentially about you know a foot and a half two feet or so um right. you know by essentially more or less pushing it uh, over a fulcrum point using the high lift jack. So yeah, very right. cool. I'm I'm watching the little uh, little video right. snippet that you have. And uh, I didn't on your get Instagram all of right it now. good enough. Um, we, but the guy who was doing that, he is one of those um, trained the internationally four wheel drive that what is it I four WD trained. Um, so he's been through all those classes and. We need to start rescheduling because uh, I don't think everybody was listening to uh, the Jeep Talk Holland show, and uh, for those even the, if they even if they were, uh, they still have more information they can share with us. So we need to start rescheduling right. these people for interviews. Right, and I just want to show yeah. off my my shirt. You I'm sorry, we don't have the, time for that. Oh, shut up! <laughs> the, the color, the color this year. This is this is a special shirt only so some of us got, and can I'm gonna I don't know if this will work, but I'm gonna stand up. And turn around and show you what the back says because I was one of these. Can you read it? Up a little higher. Over to the left. Ah, that's it. Yeah, it's got a bunch of uh, advertisers oh, no, on there, right? Right, and it says it says trail guide. I was um, part of the trail guide group, so they didn't oh, have wow. you. They didn't have you holding the bag waiting for the snipes, did they? Yes, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but also on this shirt, I'll have to take um, is the Jeep Talk Show logo because we were a sponsor of Women's awesome. Wheeling. It's on there. Yeah, it is. Take um, that, take that shirt off and hold it up to the it's, camera. It's on yeah, the back I, side of the tag, <laughs> Tony. It's on the back side of the tag, but it's on there. It's, it's made. Well, in, I could probably take it off. I, I have a white shirt on. I don't know made, underneath. I don't know. Made how, in how Jeep. Look. Made in Jeep china yeah there we go <laughs> so i i handed out um the jeep talk show koozies every every um woman got one so hopefully they're all listening tonight hey everyone what do you had think, a great time do you think men don't need koozies uh tammy i mean uh kind of that kind of sounds sexist to me yeah oh well it was it was just for the the drivers and you well real quick driver so how many times were you asked what's the jeep talk show that's what i asked yeah <laughs> what the hell no, is actually, that right no, our big banner was up, and it said podcast, Jeep Talk Show yeah, podcast, I did. I all saw, our faces. I saw, I saw a couple of pictures, and I saw one where you were like in a, um, uh, I'm going to be very loosely here, call it a cafeteria-type setting, and, and right. on the far wall, bar. I see this gigantic <laughs> banner that has you know our faces and the logo and stuff on it. I'm like, oh, wow, that's and, us. And that's apparently cool. we're live on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, you didn't notice so it. I was yeah, looking. we're gonna have we're gonna have to go live again. <laughs> I was looking at that picture where you were standing next to it, you know, doing the Vanna White thing with the with the hands. Look, right. and I went, oh gee, look, it's t I didn't I think about this. Didn't it's even think tape. of that. Just yep. just get some white out and draw a yeah. line through oh. that. <laughs> Put a big red circle. <laughs> like that thing line. we did, Josh. Thoise day. Oh yeah, Thoise day. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Oh, okay, uh, I'm sorry. Good to know. Well, at least That's you didn't. Right. At least you didn't think about it while you were there and having the whole thing. Oh around. yeah, that'd have been embarrassing. Yeah. So great stuff. Well, uh, let's see. I uh, I think I'm gonna be ordering uh, the uh, 
the, the chain and some uh, input output gears here pretty soon to start working on the transfer case. I've uh, been buying up a bunch of electronics for other things that I've been working on and uh, don't really need the transfer case uh, since I, I can't go off-road. The other thing I'm going to have to do is get that drive shaft uh, taken care of. Hey, Josh, I bet you know the, the answer to this. I always ask Steve. Steve is always a wealth of information, 4.3 LXJ. Um, when you're driving down your the road in your Jeep and you're feeling mm-hmm. a little vibration at a certain speed, now I'm not talking about death wobble, pre-death wobble, post-death wobble, uh, any of that stuff, uh, driveline vibration. And uh, like mine is uh, right at the 60 miles, miles per hour, I start feeling a slight vibration. I let my foot off the gas, the vibration goes away. I'm thinking mm-hmm. drive shaft, U-joint, but, but does that tell you if it's the front u-joint the rear u-joint or is it is it something other than the drive shaft very very easy get out there with your with your eight millimeter wrench take off your front drive line it's eight bolts i don't have one it's oh well if you if your front drive line is off and you have the vibrations then that's clearly your rear well i'm sorry when i said front or rear i was talking about the u-joint the front u-joint or the rear u-joint oh well you never replace one you replace them both at the same time yeah but i mean doesn't it tell you the that does that tell you no. uh, which one it is, or it just tells you no. that you? A, is it always a U joint issue? No. In fact, your drive line could just be simply out of balance. At a certain they're just speed, just like they're just like a wheel. Oh you yeah, a, because you the, have drive, a, the drive the drive shaft round itself. That you have a round object that's spinning, and and actually, I'll dare any of you jeepers out there in this range of my voice right now, climb underneath your jeep, take a look all the way around your drive line. You're gonna see a small little welded weight right. on it somewhere. Yeah, because that drive line is not balanced. It has to be balanced just like your wheels do. And believe it or not, they do come out of balance, especially if you ever have replaced a U joint. Once a U joint is replaced, that drive line is out of balance now, and it has mm-hmm. to be rebalanced. So, um, are I you mean, talking about have to just Cherokees or all G? No, 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 any, no, no. All anything, anything with a drive shaft. Yeah. Yep. So, anything, I mean, anything that has Dodge something that spins. Or, yeah. <laughs> wheels, drive shafts, all anything that spins, it can get out of balance. And it can happen, huh. you can get it out of balance just simply by uh, uh, damaging the, the drive shaft. Uh, I don't think a dent would make that big a difference, although it, it could make a slight difference. But uh, if you scrape one of those weights off, it definitely will, but it would be really hard to scrape one off. Yeah, it really would. You know, I, so, I, mean, but, I, I, might after, try, I might try flipping my drive shaft and see what that does for me. Yeah, I would try that. I mean, honestly, I would I would just, um, I mean, if you're already talking about uh, having the front, you know, gone through and redone, uh, I, I would take them both in. I mean, it's it's four U-joints. It's a fresh coat of paint with both of them. You'll probably be into it a couple hundred bucks. Um, but when everything's all said and done, um, you're going to have two drive lines that are as good as new, and they're going to look like it, too. Oh, and I'll throw this out there for anybody that's still with us. Uh, if you are in the Houston area... And you have a, a late model NP231J transfer case, like 97 on forward uh, for a Jeep Cherokee. I would be very interested in talking to you. Uh, I, I did have somebody offer me a couple of NP242Js, but they were really far away, and it was going to cost uh, several hundred dollars to have it shipped to me, just one of them. So if you're in the Houston area and you got an NP231, because I'm, I'm seriously considering uh, building up a 231, if I can get it at a really good price, uh, and, and some of you uh, might actually be sitting on a free one, which that would be great too. Uh, but I'd like to build of me course. a, yeah, I'd like to build me one of those super armored, 
uh, wide chain MP231s and just oh there you go you know next time I'm I'm, I'm gonna fix the 242 but the next time the 242 goes away I'm gonna be ready to swap in that that bad mama jamma 231 and uh, then live with that for a while and then work on the uh, the 242 at my leisure I like having uh, the ability to swap something in so I'm just not down. Uh, so worst case is like this last time I was going to go on that wheeling trip. Worst case is I could have put, you know, six hours into it and swapped out uh, transfer cases and the bezel and then gone. Uh, so, uh, I just, the damn transfer case pisses me off. I think it's been, I've replaced that chain like three or four times now. Anyway, so let's get over to, uh, <laughs> let's get out of wheeling this. Wheeling where? Yeah, let's get out of this and go over to the wheeling where. Yeah, we're going to talk really quickly about some events that are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. Uh, happening November 3rd through the 4th, we have uh, the Vegas Valley Four-Wheelers presenting the 36th Annual Hump and Bump. That's right, guys. Uh, 36th Annual. This, this event has been going on for a long time. This is two full days of amazing wheeling, gorgeous red rock formations, a huge vendor fair, a massive raffle, and an amazing barbecue dinner. If you want to find out for more information about this, how you can get involved, head over to www.b v4w.org that's a vegas valley four wheelers club uh we got sema coming up a little bit later in november uh third through the sixth it has been in las vegas nevada of course the big sema show guys special equipment manufacturer association happens once a year uh this is a huge event and uh if you want to be a part of it or you want to find out more about it head over to semashow.com uh third annual crawling for the fallen has happened in november 10th 2017 at the Jeep Ranch in Wildwood, Florida, the third annual Crawling for the Fallen is an event for all off-road enthusiasts or people who support law enforcement to raise awareness and show support while honoring the men and women in blue who made the ultimate sacrifice with their lives. On average, 140 to 160 officers lose their lives in the line of duty each and every year. Their goal is to make sure that they are never forgotten. For more information on this, so I'll just do a quick Google search for annual uh, Crawling for the Fallen. You'll be able to find out all kinds of information. I uh, also have the Parker Four-Wheelers presenting the Desert Splash 2017 happening November 10th through the 12th at La Paz Con County Park in Parker, Arizona. For more information on this event, head over to parkerfourwheelers.net. Hey, Jeepers, do you guys know of an event coming up, an off-road event coming up? Well, shoot us an email with some details. Maybe the local club has got something going on. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? Well, let us know what you thought and what you saw. Call our 24-7 voicemail line at 530-675-4102. Leave a message tonight or day. We would sure love to hear from you. Hey, take our survey. Please take a moment to take our survey at jeeptalkshow.com slash survey. Love hearing from our listeners, guys. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Google+, pretty much everywhere on the web. Just go to your favorite social media outlet and search for Jeep Talk Show. You will find us. Join us on the Jeep Talk Forum. Pictures, stories, more detailed how-to, or ask questions of the host. That's jeeptalkforum.com. Hey, folks, and call us anytime and leave us a voicemail at 530-675-4102, and you'll even hear it on the show. That's right. And don't forget, guys, we have a free application for your phone or your tablet. Doesn't matter if you have Android or an Apple device, guys. Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play and search for Jeep Talk Show. Hey, and if you're making one of those Jeep purchases online or on Amazon, be sure and go to the JeepTalkShow.com slash Amazon first. Man, I wish they'd hey. sell Jeeps on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> hey, folks, and don't forget, you can follow me on my Jeep journey at JeepMama.com, M-O-M-M-A. 
If you need a voice for your product or for your business, well, check out my professional voiceover services at thevoiceofjosh.com. You can reach out to me directly, josh at thevoiceofjosh.com. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Friend us on Facebook. Circle us like vultures on Google+. And above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreations and wheeling destinations in as good, if not better, condition than they were when we arrived. Remember to always tread lightly. Stay on designated trails and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. If you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails and public lands open for off-road use, just head over to www.treadlightly.org. And I'll just say this. It's not lights before lo- I'm sorry, it's not lockers before lights. It's toe points before lockers and lights. There you go. <laughs> get Gotta those toe points. Point. Gotta get those toe points. You guys have a great Jeep week, and we'll see you next week. Bye, see you on the trails. since 2010.